Welcome to this Vetfolio educational podcast brought to you in part by DECRA. We're pleased that you've decided to join us to explore the topic of how to incorporate supplements into your dermatological protocols with our guest speaker, Dr. Catherine Doerr. Dr. Doerr graduated magnum cum laude from the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine, followed by a rigorous internship at the University of Pennsylvania. She received her residency training in veterinary dermatology from the University of California, Davis. After working for many years in private practice in California, Dr. Doerr returned back to her home state as an associate at Veterinary Dermatology Center in Maitland, Florida. Dr. Doerr is an active member of the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, as well as the local, state, and national American Veterinary Medical Association. In her spare time, she enjoys biking, surfing, and fishing with her family. Before we join Dr. Doerr, please note that the information provided in this session is intended to provide you with practical and timely information to assist you as a veterinary professional. The views and opinions provided are those of the presenter and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Vetfolio and its sponsors. Now let's join Dr. Doerr. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for the introduction. Today we're going to talk about incorporating supplements into your protocol for managing patients with dermatological disease. There are so many supplements on the market for pets to where there seems to be a new one for each day of the week. The biggest question I get from clients is, will this help my pet? Is it worth my money? And is it worth my time? Today we are going to focus on the supplements that we have the most scientific evidence to support their use in veterinary medicine. We will initially discuss the use of vitamin A and vitamin E in specific dermatological diseases. Then we will focus on supplements to consider using in patients with atopic dermatitis, such as essential fatty acids and palmitoyl ethanolamide. Try to say that five times fast, so it will be abbreviated as PEA. Let's start at the beginning of the alphabet with vitamin A. Vitamin A typically is in appropriate amounts, either as retinal esters or carotenoids in well-balanced pet foods. Cats are a little different from dogs in that they will require preformed vitamin A since they cannot convert carotenoids into vitamin A. Vitamin A is important in promotion of growth, differentiation, and maintenance of the epithelium, as well as the visual and reproductive systems. Within the skin itself, Retinoic acid is important for cell signaling for growth and differentiation, i.e. keratinization. While rare to see this, pets who are vitamin A deficient may have skin atrophy or thinning of the skin. Typically in dermatology, we see patients who require additional supplementation of vitamin A, i.e. diagnosed with a retinoid responsive dermatosis. Vitamin A can be helpful or the only plausible treatment option in many of the following conditions such as vitamin A responsive dermatosis, surprise, keratinization disorders that have no other underlying causes, i.e. we can see this in cocker spaniels, chin acne, nasodigital hyperkeratosis, ear margin seborrhea or dermatosis, callus formations, actinic keratosis are also known as solar dermatitis, certain cutaneous neoplasms such as epitheliotropic lymphoma, Schnauzer comedos syndrome, sebaceous adenitis, and lamellar ichthyosis. Treatment with vitamin A may be required in forms ranging from just plain vitamin A alcohol, which is your over-the-counter brand, 
to topical retinoids such as tretinoin or even oral retinoids such as isotretinoin or etretinate, which can be very difficult and expensive to dispense. Side effects of vitamin A supplementation to watch for include decreased tear production, conjunctivitis, arthralgia or myalgia, increased triglycerides, increased liver enzymes, and also teratogenic effects. So just remember, don't use vitamin A supplements in breeding animals. Typically, I recommend to check a Shermer tear test and liver values after a month of supplementation with high dose of vitamin A. So to summarize, vitamin A is rare to see a true dietary deficiency in pets. However, it may be a supplement to consider when evaluating a scaly patient who has no other underlying disease. Now on to the next vowel, vitamin E. Vitamin E is made up of multiple forms. However, alpha-tocopherol is the most important. Vitamin E works by stopping free radicals in polyunsaturated fatty acids of membrane phospholipids. Thus, the nutritional requirement of vitamin E is directly related to the concentration of polyunsaturated fatty acids in the diet. Vitamin E deficiency has actually only been documented in cats. Cats can get what's known as steatitis if they are fed high amounts of red meat, i.e. tuna, without adequate intake of vitamin E. So if you see an unkempt, lumpy, bumpy cat in your practice, I highly recommend to biopsy the cat and check on its nutrition status. Especially consider this when you see cats on raw food diets. The biopsy results will indicate firm, yellow to orange, brown fat with lobular paniculitis and steroid within lipocytes, macrophages, and giant cells. These cats will need to have vitamin E supplemented at 25 to 75 mg per kilogram per day. However, vitamin E will usually be used just to supplement patients with particular immune-mediated diseases. Examples of these diseases include the following, discoid lupus erythematosus, systemic lupus erythematosus, pemphigus erythematosus, sterile paniculitis, dermatomyositis, and ear margin vasculitis. The purpose of adding vitamin E for these patients is to further assist in stabilizing the cell and lysosomal membranes against damage caused by free radical and to further help modulate the arachidonic acid and prostaglandin metabolism. If you recall how vitamin E and those polyunsaturated fatty acids are closely related. Furthermore, vitamin E inhibits proteolytic enzymes, enhances phagocytic activity, and enhances humoral and cellular immunity. So typical doses of vitamin E for supplementation in these immune-mediated patients are 200 to 800 international units twice a day. And I would recommend to give it with food. Again, it would be rare, especially in dogs, to see a deficiency of vitamin E, but this supplement may be considered beneficial for some patients with specific immune-mediated diseases. To nicely follow vitamin E, we are going to talk about two polyunsaturated fatty acids that are very important when it comes to certain dermatological diseases, namely atopic dermatitis. These two fatty acids are omega-3 and omega-6 essential fatty acids. Essential fatty acids are exactly what they mean. Fatty acids that the body will not make itself, so it needs to be added in most cases. Essential fatty acids are mainly found in the phospholipid bilayer in the skin, just like vitamin E. It is important that they are unsaturated as it allows them to keep up the fluidity of the bilayer at normal temperatures, thus so your skin can move around normally. Studies have shown that long-term supplementation with essential fatty acids can have a steroid-sparing effect in dogs with atopic dermatitis. For example, with chronic use, 
the patient's allergies may be better controlled and require less medication overall within that patient's life. The way that these fatty acids work is through both anti-inflammatory and immune modulating properties. Essential fatty acids can reduce the delayed type hypersensitivity responses and decrease the production of certain inflammatory prostaglandins and leukotrienes. Recall again the arachidonic acid cascade. The omega-3 fatty acid, EPA, will compete with arachidonic acid to favor production of anti-inflammatory prostaglandins and suppress the inflammatory leukotrienes. Omega-3 also has immune-modulating properties by decreasing the synthesis of pro-inflammatory cytokines such as tumor necrosis factor, interleukin-1, and interleukin-6. Other fun facts, omega-3 essential fatty acids can influence cell signaling and phospholipids, modulate the cytotoxic activity by macrophages, and has been shown to decrease IgE in rats. Omega-6 essential fatty acids, however, have a very important function as well, as it has been suggested that they help with the epidermal lipid barrier by incorporating into the ceramides of the cornified cell envelope to prevent the loss of water and other skin nutrients. A study revealed decreased transepidermal water loss in dogs supplemented with linoleic acid, which is an omega-6 fatty acid, that further supports this claim. Skin signs that your patient is nutritionally lacking essential fatty acids include scaliness, matting of the hair, alopecia or hair loss, loss of skin elasticity, so that fluidity, and a dull hair coat. These changes mean that the patient will end up having increased transepidermal water loss, weakening of the cutaneous capillaries, increased epidermal cell turnover, sebaceous gland hypertrophy, increased sebum viscosity, poor wound healing, and increased susceptibility of infections on the skin. Now the goal is to obtain an anti-inflammatory response versus a pro-inflammatory response when supplementing with essential fatty acids. So it is important to supplement in correct omega-6 to omega-3 ratios. The correct ratio is five to 10 parts omega-6 fatty acids to one part omega-3 fatty acids. While this may appear imbalanced from a supplement standpoint, most diets contain exclusively omega-6 essential fatty acids. Hence, you truly only need to supplement with omega-3 fatty acids to a patient's well-balanced lower-fat pet food. If you have a patient that you need to supplement and they're on a higher-fat pet food, you may want to consider again switching diets. A general supplement dose recommendation would be adding EPA, an omega-3 fatty acid, at 180 milligrams per five kilograms of body weight of the patient. The most common source of EPA includes fish oils. I have some clients inquire if they need to stop fish oils if their dog has a food allergy to fish. In most cases, the oils should be completely extracted of all proteins, and proteins are what elicits the food allergic response. However, keep in mind that most fish oil comes in gelatin capsules, which is not devoid of protein. In those food allergic cases, I recommend to the client to squeeze out the oil from the capsule onto the food or else use a pure liquid source of fish oil. Alternatively to capsule or liquid supplementation to the patient's food, you can choose prescription diets that are already supplemented with the appropriate omega-6 to omega-3 essential fatty acid ratio. Some examples of these diets include Hills Derm Defense, Royal Canin Skin Support, and the prescription joint-based diet such as JD. 
A potential rare side effect of essential fatty acid supplementation would be diarrhea or soft stool. If your client notices loose bowels after starting supplementation, you could try one of the following. One, you could have them squeeze any liquid from the capsule that they're using the capsule because sometimes it can actually be the capsule resulting in the diarrhea. Or two, decrease the dose of the added essential fatty acids. I hope that this helps to explain the hows and whys when it comes to supplementations with essential fatty acids for your allergic veterinary patient. Do let your client know, though, it can take months to see a response with supplementation, but can prove to have some long-term medication-sparing benefits. Now on to the next supplement for atopic patients, palmitoyl ethanolamide, also known as PEA. PEA is a naturally occurring bioactive lipid and an endocannabinoid-like molecule. It is produced by damaged exposed cells on demand in almost all mammalian tissues. This lipid has been shown to help counteract inflammation, itch, and pain by modulating mast cell activation. Basically, it has been shown that PEA can decrease the amount of histamine, prostaglandins, and tumor necrosis factor alpha from activated mast cells. Other actions of PEA include keratinocyte and macrophage homeostasis. Many food sources contain PEA, such as egg yolks, soybeans, and bovine milk. However, you would have to eat a very large quantity in order to gain the benefit of PEA from just an outside food source. For example, in dogs, you'd have to eat about 70% of their body weight in order to obtain the benefit in soybeans. In order to become more bioavailable with supplementation and not have to give such large quantities, PEA needs to be ultramicronized which makes it more water-soluble when ingested, resulting in improved distribution and diffusion in the body. A study in 2015 showed that in 160 atopic dogs who were supplemented with PEA, 62% had a canine atopic dermatitis lesion index in their remission range, i.e. it made them better. PEA has been utilized in Europe via a capsule form for many years to help with atopic veterinary patients. Just recently, DECRA released a source of ultra-micronized PEA available to dogs in the United States. It is called Retinol Ultra, which contains ultra-micronized PEA. The protein flavoring chew is hydrolyzed, so there is minimal concern for its use in most dogs who have compounding food allergies on top of their atopic dermatitis. I don't know about your dogs, but my dog sure would prefer to receive a treat disguised medication versus a capsule. In summary, Vitamin A can be beneficial in patients with certain keratinization disorders, while vitamin E can be beneficial for patients with underlying immune-mediated dermatoses. Essential fatty acids and PEA would be a great additional supplement for those chronically itchy dogs and cats as the essential fatty acids work at the level of the arachidonic acid pathway to subside inflammation, and PEA will focus more on modulating the mast cell response. All of the above options have scientific backing, can be palatable, and can be easily added to a patient's food bowl, which would also make compliance easier. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and hopefully this will help give you more tools to help with your scaly, lumpy, itchy pets and patients. Dr. DeVore, thank you for your time and for sharing your insights with our listeners today. To all of our listeners, we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us, and we hope that you found the information shared in this session useful. 
If you would like to find out more about this topic, please be sure to check out our related programs, which you can access from vetfolio.com. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Decra, for their support. Let us know what you thought about this session or what topics you would like to hear on a future podcast. You can connect with the Vetfolio team via email at support at vetfolio.com.